You're listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. Through a combination of solo episodes and interviews with some incredible guests, we bring you the insights and practical tips to create happier working environments for you and your teams. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend or a colleague and leaving a rating or review on your favorite platform. Oh my God, this is exactly what is happening in our boardroom. Oh my God, this is exactly what's happening in our workplace. Work conflict is all about attachment. And I'm saying this out loud and the the person next to me said like, oh, don't be silly. Adults are independent. They're self-sufficient. They don't need attachment. I said, no, 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 you don't get it. This is attachment. This is exactly what John Bowlby talked about in all his studies when he studied mothers and children and the attachment relationship that he described. It's the same. It's the same. (laughs) Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Happier at Work podcast. And I'm so grateful for you for tuning in today. Today's episode features a guest, brilliant guest, Dr. Lola Gershfield. And we talk all about emotions at work. The kind of things like that might trigger us, that might make us a little bit angry, might cause a breakdown in relationship with someone else, for example. We bring in this idea of attachment theory and really diving deep into understanding how emotions work at work and some really practical solutions that you can implement today to manage your emotions better at work or to at least raise your self-awareness about what's going on for you. I absolutely loved this conversation with Lola and we probably could have gone on for another couple of hours at least. Really, really interesting stuff and really important at work as well. I would really love to know what you think of today's episode. So as always, do get involved in the conversation. I always post on social media. So do let me know what you think in the comments or send me a direct message to let me know what you thought of today's episode. I will be doing a synopsis of the key points later in today's episode. So some of the key takeaways and the practical things that you can do differently today as a result of listening to today's episode. So do stay tuned for that. Lola, you're so welcome to the Half Year at Work podcast. I'm really excited for our conversation today. Would you like to introduce yourself to listeners, share a little bit about your background and how you got into doing what you're doing today? My name is Dr. Lola Gershfeld. And I'm an organizational psychologist and CEO of EMC Leaders. I am also a developer of the Emotional Connection Process, or EMC, as we call it, that is based on the science of attachment, uh, based on the science of emotional connection, um, helping teams to build the more cohesive interactions, a more cohesive culture, and I think a stronger relationships. All of that work has been inspired to me by my, I would say, uh, struggle. (laughs) It really has been inspired to me by my continuous struggle of uh, working as an HR manager or being a CFO or even a board member, seeing my board members struggle. And I remember this board meeting uh, where I was like watching these board members throwing jabs at each other. And uh, the chairman was sitting next to me and I turned to him and I said, hey, like, why are they doing this? And I remember I was like in my early 30s, you know, I was the youngest one on the board. And he turned to me and he said, I think it's because they care about each other. 
And I thought to myself, well, that's silly. <laughs> that is silly. And I couldn't really understand what really that meant, but I found it very fascinating. And at that time, I already had 15 years of experience of building electronic manufacturing companies. My husband and I, we worked for 27 years together. So in that early stages, I started my career in when I was 19. So and by that time, I already had the experience of building teams, building companies. So I felt very confident and I was like fearless. I want to help people. I want to help board. I, help, I want to build the company. You know, I was kind of like moving along. And then when I was asked to serve on this board, I said like, sure, you know, how hard can it be? I never served on the board, you know, why not? And when I started my journey, my gosh, Iofi, it was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> These board members wouldn't listen to me. They wouldn't take any of my advice. They didn't care about my wonderful insight that I had. They interrupted each other. They interrupted me. And I thought to myself, something is happening here. It's not just about the strategy or about the agenda. There's something else is happening. You know, I was trying to kind of like teach them communication skills. And it felt like they would do it for a minute or two. But then they, as soon as they would stop, they would go back to their own way of blaming each other or withdrawing and shutting each other out. I had that same similar situation when I was working as an HR manager. And I thought to myself, this is really about something else. You know, I really have to get to the point of it. So I run to the bookstore. And you know how as a young professional, you think every answer is in the bookstore. <laughs> if you could just find the book, you know, if you could just find the book. Someone has know, obviously life. written a book about yes, this already. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the answer to life is in the bookstore somewhere. Uh, so I remember coming back with like stacks of books on, on leadership and trust and emotional intelligence. I was reading them. You know, I loved like Good to Great. That was my favorite book. Or Primal Leadership by Goldman or Speed of Trust. You know, all of these books were like on my desk and I was reading them and bringing them to my meetings and trying to figure out what is happening here. But the problem is none of those things that I found in the books actually worked. So I started to outline what, what is going on in our board meeting. We had eight hour board meetings and it would be like no progress. So I would run after the meetings and I would like try to figure out who triggered whom and how we got off. And then slowly and slowly and surely I started to see patterns. And at that time, I was already getting my doctorate degree in psychology. And my husband said, hey, do you want to go to this couple's workshop? And I said, okay. And um, the trainer was teaching us about attachment, about the couple's uh, relationship, about emotions. And this process was called emotionally focused therapy, basically emotionally focused approach to couples therapy. And as she was talking about how couples trigger each other and how one person start to demand and the other person start to shut down and not talk, I'm like looking and I'm thinking, oh my God, this is exactly what is happening in our boardroom. Oh my God, this is exactly yeah, what's happening in our I workplace. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, work conflict is all about attachment. 
And I'm saying this out loud. And the, the person next to me said like, oh, don't be silly. Adults are independent. They're self-sufficient. They don't need attachment. I said, no, 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 you don't get it. This is attachment. This is exactly what John Bowlby talked about in all of his studies when he studied mothers and children and the attachment relationship that he described. It's the same. It's the same. <laughs> Do you want to explain? So I know the different attachment styles. I'm familiar with attachment theory, but there could be some listeners today who are not really familiar with attachment theory. Do you want to explain a little bit more about what the different or what, like, I suppose, how attachment theory evolved and the different attachment styles? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's such a profound, and I remember like studying attachment in my psychology master's degree, and I never could put together that it's, you know, the relationship. Attachment is basically relationship. How secure we are in the relationship is what makes us feel more safe with each other, makes our nervous system relax and feel free and play. That's what makes us, and it's all really starts with the brain structure. I think if we talk about attachment, we have to understand how our brain works. Joseph Ledoux actually wrote a very nice book called The Emotional Brain, basically describing the brain structure and how our emotional part of the brain, the amygdala, has massive connection to all parts of the brain, including the prefrontal cortex. However, the prefrontal cortex does not have direct connection to the amygdala. What does it mean? What it means is that it's easy for our emotions to control our thoughts, but it is very hard for our thoughts to control our emotions. For example, like if I'm stressed, like you probably heard about the fires in Maui and my daughter lives in Maui. And uh, she is very stressed and she's very scared of what's happening. And she has five children. So she's like, mom, I'm so stressed. I tell myself, okay, everything is going to be okay. And I still feel my body is completely like fired up, always on the threat. Well, the same thing with our relationships. I mean, she has outside threat, you know, fire. But this exactly what happens in our relationship in a workplace when we depend on each other, our brain wants to be connected with the people we depend on. So when there's a disconnection happening, it is a threat. It is like a life and death situation. That's what attachment teaches us. If we want our brain, our prefrontal cortex to be engaged, to be fully present, to be open to ideas and collaboration and engagement and creativity, we need our emotional brain to be calm. Otherwise, it hijacks the prefrontal cortex and now everything becomes very difficult for us to do. So in attachment, what we say is that when you have a secure connection, when you have a secure attachment with people, you are stronger as a person. You can be happy at work. You can uh, play, you can you learn better because your prefrontal cortex is open. It's not hijacked. And when people have a disconnection in the workplace, like if I see my manager um, expressing disappointment or some sort of a rejection or my coworker doesn't want to talk to me, I start to feel what we call a separation distress. Uh, my brain starts danger. It's dangerous. You, you are no longer is in a safe place. 
So what we notice is that when we feel this disconnection, what we do is we often go to protective behaviors. We start to either pursue the connection, which we go blame, criticize, judge, complain, lecture, you know, our tone of voice goes up, our speed of speech goes fast. All of these are behaviors of a pursuer. We're pursuing the connection. We want that connection back. Or we go into withdrawal, which is avoidant, right? So we have anxious, which is a pursuer, or we have avoidant attachment style, which is we withdraw, we shut down, we disengage, we avoid, we get busy. All of these things, uh, withdrawers, it's not like they don't want to talk to us, but what they do is they preserve the connection. They don't want to say anything else that will create more disconnection. So that type of a mind shift, understanding that number one, we long for connection. We are wired for connection. We need connection to thrive. Number two is how we deal with this disconnection actually creates a negative cycle. And the negative cycle is, again, the most common one is one person says, why don't you respond to me? I've been sending you emails after emails. Why don't you talk to me? So they're pursuing the connection. And the other person says, oh my gosh, you are so difficult to work with. I don't want to talk to you. And they shut down and they withdraw. That's a withdrawal. So that cycle is called demand withdraw. One is demanding. The other one is withdrawing. So what we do in the emotional connection process, we help people First of all, to de-escalate their negative pattern, to see what they're doing to trigger each other and how they uh, get into stuck in this negative pattern and how to step out of this negative pattern. But then we teach them how to be accessible, responsive, and engaged, which is a key attachment question in the relationship is, are you there for me? Are you accessible to me emotionally? Are you responsive to me emotionally? Are you engaged with me? Even though you don't agree with me, are you still engaged with me? So A-R-E is a key defining moment. And how do we build that relationship? So if we are A-R-E to each other, we have a secure relationship. If we are in a negative cycle, we have insecure relationship. Sorry, it's been a long answer to your question. (laughs) A long explanation. But no, I think it's really important to understand that. And one thing that I picked up on that I want to come back to, and you said it a number of minutes ago, but in all of the work that I've done around attachment theory, and that's kind of more from a personal side, understanding myself in the relationships that I have with other people, as opposed to in a work context. So I'm really excited to kind of understand more in the work context and how it shows up and what it looks like. And I imagine it's probably the same as it does in our personal relationships as well. But uh, Dr. Lola, one thing that you said was how secure we are in the relationship is what has the impact. And I suppose my understanding, the reason I kind of picked up on that is my understanding is you kind of have a default type, let's say. And this all comes from childhood. So you have your secure type where you grew up in a, in your needs were met as a child, essentially. Then you have the, as you described, the anxious, which is if your mother or your caregiver's love was withdrawn in some way, you made demands to get it back. And this is how you got love, essentially. 
And then the avoidant where if your mother returns, you kind of ignore her because she's been absent and that's how you respond to that. But I'm fascinated with this idea of it's also dependent on the nature of the relationship as well. It's not just simply I have this natural tendency to be an avoidant person. So if someone's demanding something from me, then I'll withdraw and I won't respond to them. But I'm interested in the nuance of it depends on how the relationship is or how you feel about the relationship yourself. And if you feel secure, then maybe you're less likely to get triggered into an anxious or an avoidant response. Absolutely. AOP, uh, you kind of like hit it on a nail on the head. And this is exactly, we actually did a study recently with 169 participants, and we were measuring the relationship between anxious avoidant behaviors with workplace conflict, employee engagement, and um, turnover intentions. And everything shows in this direction, that the more anxious avoidant behaviors you display in the workplace, the more workplace conflicts you have. The more anxious avoidant, the less engagement you have. The more anxious avoidant, the more turnover intentions you have. So I think you correct. All of these behaviors and styles have been developed with us and by us through our caregivers in our childhood. However, they transfer into adulthood. For example, it actually travels with the relationship. Let's say you have a secure relationship with your parents. But when you go into your personal relationship or your work relationship, like specifically relationship between your manager or your direct supervisor, it's a key attachment relationship you have. So the manager may be very open and responsive and accessible to you. Now you are building that uh, relationship uh, uh, security where those your attachment styles are not being triggered. And you're able to talk to them about it then easily. Now, if your manager does not recognize this and not open and accessible and responsive and engaged, now, guess what? Your attachment styles all come up as a life and death situation because your relationship depends on how successful you are in your job, how progressive you are, how developed and how well you can thrive. So we recognize this, number one. And what we do, is we teach people what we know now, which we have not learned before, is that attachment science uh, provides us a map on how to restructure your interactions where you start to create that more secure bond. Even though, let's say, the manager is less accessible or less responsive, through the EMC process, they learn how to be emotionally attuned, how to be emotionally responsive to each other. So, for example, one of the things we teach is called bonding conversations. And in bonding conversations, we help people to share their emotions, not only surface emotions, but softer emotions. We kind of like give them a list of emotions so they can pick. And it's much easier for people to talk about the emotions when you have a list. We also talk to them about sharing their raw spots so they become more aware what's triggering them in this conversation or in this relationship, or how we interact each other. So as they start to have this language of emotions, of raw spots and triggers, and also we give them a list of what's happening them in their thoughts, like automatic thought. So when they get triggered, what do they think? You know, I must, I have to get away. Where did they go? Or where I, does their head go? Right, yes. where did their head go? 
Yeah. And what do they do in terms of the protective behavior? So we have a list. So everything by just giving them this roadmap, they start to become more aware, like, oh my gosh, when I get triggered, I start to yell. And when I start to yell, I start to trigger the other person. When I get triggered, I shut down. And my shutting down is actually triggers the other person because I shut them out. So they start to see the pattern and they can say it now. Oh, wow, we're getting stuck in a negative cycle. Instead of saying, you are not listening to me. No, no, it's (laughs) you who is not paying attention. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, brilliant. Now we're fighting the cycle. Now we're stretching the cycle instead of we fighting each other. So yeah. that creates a lot of safety. That's a lot, yeah. a lot of safety in the relationship yeah, right there. I mean, I've had so many conversations on the podcast about emotions at work. And, and one that's, that kind of sticks in my mind was with Ashley Collins. And one of the things that she said was, we're basically all just triggering each other at work, our emotional wounds and, and things like that. They all come out in the workplace and they all get played out in the workplace. And I suppose bringing it back to be a bit more practical, if there's someone listening today, how can they best identify what's triggering them or how they're reacting to being triggered at work? And I I loved the example that you shared there about the manager, because that's such an important relationship. We feel like our job depends on our manager. And if we have a really positive manager and a really positive manager relationship, I think it has a huge impact on our overall experience of work. But what if that's maybe less positive. And I'm kind of thinking, as you described, the manager who's not really that involved, who leads you to your own devices, but equally a manager who's overly involved, who's maybe micromanaging you. Do you want to kind of talk about some of those as triggers and the responses that people can recognize in themselves? Well, I think that's a very, very important question. And I've been asked that question all the time. And I have to say, we have to go from the back. Like, what is the end in mind? You know, like Franklin Covey will say, what's the end in mind? Start with the end in mind, yes. Well, start with the end in mind. So the start with the end in mind, if we are paying attention to what do we want in our relationships, in our work, we want connection. So that's very important. It's like, you know, when pilots are flying their plane, it's like they know the plane works. They know how to get back to the place where they're going. The same thing, if we use attachment as our framework, we know every single time the human being needs connection. How do they get this connection? They need to feel valued. They need to feel important. They need to feel that the other person cares about them. They need to know that their feelings matter. So when the boss, when the manager is not accessible, responsible, engaged, You have to be accessible, responsive, and engaged. You got to learn how to recognize the negative pattern, how to recognize what is triggering myself, like, and the things like you said, like, how do people know what triggers them? There are so many things, words people say, actions people do, facial expression, and the speed of speech. So people recognize the words. It could be complaining, blaming, or micromanaging, all of these things demonstrate that, oh my gosh, I'm in a negative cycle with my manager. Okay, now I know. Wow, I'm in a negative cycle. So how do we trigger the cycle? Okay, so I hear the manager is lecturing me. Wow, 
I'm paying more attention. Wow, I'm sensing that something is happening with my body. You know, I'm getting tense. That is a sign of a disconnection. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to slow it down. I'm going to take a breath. I see that the manager is lecturing me. I'm going to try to pay attention. What is happening with the manager? What's happened before they started to lecture? How did they get triggered? So I'm going to pay attention. Okay, they're probably feeling stressed. Okay, they're lecturing me. They're probably feeling scared. Oh, they're lecturing me. They probably are scared of something is happening for them. Maybe they feel like not heard. So I'm going to slow it down. I'm going to really tune into their music, into their emotion, right? Interaction is a dance and emotion is the music of the dance. So I'm going to really tune into that emotion. I'm going to give them reassurance that I hear them. I'm going to give them reassurance that everything is going to be okay. They're not alone. I'm with you. And I'm going to say it in this way so they can feel safe with me. Do you see what I'm doing? I'm tuning into their experience. Mm. That's very hard. You know, I was about to say, easier said than done. And if someone is shouting at you, I think the last thing you want to do is tune in to how they're feeling. I think you're focused more on the threat that's going on for you and how you feel. But I can see how easy it could be to get triggered by that response and then kind of either go into yourself if you're an avoidant type or yell back if you are a bit more confrontational, if you're maybe that anxious type that you're going to defend yourself at all costs. But I guess it's understanding yourself and having that self-awareness of I'm triggered and that little pause in between to go, what's going on here? And I think for people to understand that, that if something is happening in your body, if you're feeling tense or if you feel like you need to retaliate in some way or withdraw out of the conversation in some way, then something's going on and you need to just have that awareness and catch yourself. And maybe you won't get it right all the time, but with practice, you'll start to be able to recognize it more and more, I think. I agree with you. It's it's practicing, it's being more aware and it will come back again. The yes. pattern will always come back. You know, I say to people, if you don't change your pattern, the pattern will start to change you. You know, you're asking questions like, what makes people happy at work? The pattern makes people miserable. The negative pattern starts to change people. I have been, I see it all the time. And it has changed me. I remember I would come to work happy. And then boom, like I hit a wall and we get into a negative cycle and I'm crying in the office. You know, I I lock the door and I cry and I can't get my thoughts. I can't do my work. I start to become more demanding. I start to become more bitter. And then people say, it's so difficult to work with you. The only thing you do is you complain. Oh my gosh, that's not who I used to be. So the negative cycle, or I shut down, you're so difficult to work with. You don't even respond to me. You don't care what we're doing here. Oh my God, that's not how this person was before. If you can recognize that negative cycle, it's so horrible to company cultures, to team dynamics, to to productivity. That's what you need to change. You start to change the cycle by recognizing emotions, by tuning into your emotions, by tuning into the other person and learning how to respond to these emotional negative cycles. Because I think one of the things that people are really afraid of, Aofi, is that to work with emotion. Emotion is the most powerful thing in the room, 
and it is almost the most powerful agent of change. But in order for us to change emotion, we have to go into emotion. We can't, we can't ignore, like, like your friend, Ashley Collins, right? She, you said, she said that emotions are the most powerful thing. We need to learn how to work with emotions. And how do we work with emotions? We slow things down. We have the language for emotions. We make emotions as granular. There's a researcher, her name is Lisa Feldman Barrett. She talks about granularity of emotion. She said that in order for you to organize your experience, you have to be as specific as possible with emotion. That means that like when learn, people learn the process, they learn about not only just the language, what happens like three levels of emotions, but what's happening in my body. Do I feel it in my chest? Because that's fear. Do I feel it in my neck? Because that's sadness. Do I feel it in my stomach? That's shame. What's going on with my body? How do I describe an image? If I would draw an image of what's happening for me in that moment, what would it be? You know, a lot of people say, like for pursuers, they say, I'm all alone. I'm all alone on an island. Oh, I feel so desperate that this person doesn't respond to me. I completely lose it. I feel like I'm falling through space. That is becoming more and more granular with your emotional experience. When we do that, actually what happens to our amygdala, it relaxes because it has a structure to it. It's like everything becomes more organized in your brain so you can relax. And then you talk about fears. There are three fears. What is your most fear about yourself? What's your worst fear about yourself in that moment? What is your worst fear about the other person in that moment? What is your worst fear about the relationship? You know, like a lot of people I hear, my worst fear in the moment is I'm a bad manager. I'm ineffective as a manager. My worst fear about my people is that my people think that just I don't care. You know, when I shut down and I don't know how to talk to them, they just start to feel I don't care, but I do care but I just get overwhelmed. I don't know how to respond. And about my worst fear about my relationship is that we are becoming more and more distant. So as I take you through these stages of just recognizing emotions, I'm becoming more clear on the message. Oh, so I can say, you know, the other day when we were in a meeting, I felt so small when you yelled at me. I felt so small. I felt like my whole body just sunk in. And now my worst fear is that I'm just not valued here as a member of a team. I'm just not valued member. And I start to feel like you don't see me as valued. And the other person says, oh my gosh, that's not what I meant. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. I don't want you to feel not valued. That's not my intention. That's not, I go up like this because I don't know how to get a response from you. So I yell because in that moment, I feel like I'm not being heard. You don't hear me. You just, I'm completely alone. Do you see? Now you have a bonding conversation happening to people where they start to hear each other and they start to feel vulnerable with each other. And they can be A-R-E. 
they can be accessible, responsive, and engaged with each other. Yeah, yeah. And I think that kind of the more general topic of emotions at work, where we've always been told that the workplace is no place for emotions and we shouldn't show emotions at work. But like you said that, you know, you had instances where you cried at work. I've had instances where I've cried. I'm not a typically a crier. I don't cry in front of other people, but I have had those times because I was triggered so much. So I think understanding ourselves that way and, and understanding that emotions are what generally what rule us. So being able to identify and manage what those are is so important at work and they do belong at work and we need to have more conversations about them, I think. I agree with you, Ayofi. I think the paradigm is changing. Yeah, you know, the absolutely. old paradigm, yeah. is, especially with COVID, it has triggered our human basic needs yeah. and emotions cannot be, it's part of our system. It's like telling somebody, okay, when you come to work, you can't breathe. <laughs> right? Yeah. You can't see. Emotion is our is our, Hold is your our breath, breath for eight hours eight today. Hours, <laughs> right? Hold your breath, exactly. You can't drink. Right? Emotion is part of us. We thrive of being emotionally engaged in our work. Remember that book, Flow? You yeah. know, Flow, that he talks about how you get into the flow of things. How are you doing that? You are emotionally engaged in the work. And we can't really reconnect with people when we don't talk about emotions. Mm. You know, if I'm going to start convincing you what you did wrong and you're going to convince me what I did wrong, we're going to be at content level. Mm. We are going to be in the negative cycle. We will never get out of the cycle. And that's another thing. You know, people say to me, oh, we get off because of strategy. We have differences of because we can't agree on strategy or agenda. No, no. It's how you talk about the strategy and agenda yeah. that your attachment needs and fears all flare up. And then you start to be in a negative cycle, blaming, complaining, and shutting down. That's what happens. But when we slow things down, we can tune into our emotional fears and feelings and needs. We can reach out and say, I get so scared when that happens. I start to feel this way. And what I need to know is that you do care about me. And I'm important to you. And my feelings do matter. And the other person responds, oh my gosh, you are important to me. Your feelings do matter. And I'm right here with you. Now you have a bonding moment. And every time I say to them, what happens to you when you hear that? When you hear that you're important, that you value, the person says, I feel so relieved. I feel so relieved that I'm, I am important. My gosh, we just got off because of this not knowing how to repair these disconnect, but I feel connected. I feel happy. I feel secure. I feel energized. And I said, what can you do when you feel all these emotions, happy emotions? Oh, we can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think there's kind of, there's two sides to that. So to me, the amount of energy that is taken if we're in that negative cycle. So like you said, you shut yourself away in a room or you yell at people. The amount of emotional energy that's expended on those things that are going on, you're not getting your work done. You're not being productive. And then on the flip side, exactly like you said a couple of seconds ago, is that when we are feeling like more positive, when we're feeling that sense of relief, when we're feeling secure, we can be more productive at work and we can kind of bring our whole selves to work, essentially. Absolutely. James Gross actually put a study saying that shutting your emotions down is very hard work. 
Yeah. And you can't do it for long. It's very, very exhausting. So what we do, we shut our emotions down when we feel disconnected. We shut, 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 and then we blow up. Right? And we yeah. blow up and then we shut back again. But when we are able to pay attention to the disconnect and repair those disconnects in the moment before they turn into the negative cycle, then we are happy at work. And we actually, in those bonding conversations, we produce oxytocin. Oxytocin is a caring, loving hormone that reduces the level of cortisol in our body, which relaxes our amygdala which is engages our prefrontal cortex and everything becomes a lot easier for us to do. My question is around, like I'm thinking of people who maybe have been stuck in that type of negative cycle in work for a number of years. Or another example I'm thinking is someone who's been stuck in a negative cycle, changed jobs and realized They're having that same pattern repeat again and again, which is the same, I think, in personal relationships as well, unless you identify and address the underlying issue around the pattern. So any kind of suggestions for what people can do if they've been in that situation for a long time? You know, if they've had those relationships for a long time, how do you introduce this type of new way of behaving with someone if you've been stuck like that for a while? It's very hard because you have so many raw spots. So you get triggered yourself. But I think the best thing that happened to me is calling out the cycle, like recognizing it's not my fault. It's not the other person's fault. It's the negative cycle's fault. And just calling out, maybe not out loud, but even to yourself, like, oh my gosh, we're in a negative cycle. I know it's not the other person's. The other person is not a bad guy. They want to be connected to me. I want to be connected to them. I think that's kind of, you have to almost like train your brain to see the attachment relationship differently. We have to start to become more in tuned to the steps in the dance that we do that triggers the negative cycle. It takes a time. I'm not going to lie to say like, oh my gosh, you take this course or you read this book, like you read my book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and suddenly you become like this wonder kid. Yeah. Uh, and then you can really... It takes time. It takes practice. It's a lot, a lot of conscious, dedicated, committed work Mm. of, look, I want to understand my relationship. I want to change the pattern. I don't want the pattern to change me. Yeah. I think that's the reason also why I created the tools in the EMC masterclass that we provide. It has like a list of raw spots, list of emotion. It has a reconnection (laughs) form. That gives you step by step. If you, you have to practice, like I've done over 900 of these cases with using, I always use the reconnection form, always, because it gives me structure. If I don't use the reconnection form, I start to listen to people's stories, I get off. It's story after story after story after story. <laughs> and she did this and he said that, and this is why it can never work. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you take sides, right? Because you have to, you want to fix it. You want to fix it. But the problem without the reconnection form is you're fixing the wrong thing. Okay. You need to fix the connection, not the story. Yeah. You're not going to change someone else. You're not going to change their behavior. You're not going to change their story or or their actions. But what you can change is your understanding or your interpretation of it. And as you said, solve for the the negative cycle. 
and the connection right. and the connection and the connection because you start to be more comfortable with sharing emotions and you start to say oh we in a negative cycle i start to feel scared in that moment you are important to me i care about you you see i'm addressing attachment needs you're important to me i care about you you're a very important member of this team i get scared when you don't respond to me i get scared i start to feel alone now you see i'm already changing the message mm. and the other person may not be ready to receive that but that's okay yeah but that's okay we understand that they're struggling that's another thing that i say to people people are struggling with disconnection they don't know how to respond brene brown she loves talking about empathy right unrelenting empathy well how are we going to have empathy if we don't understand that people are actually struggling for connection So I think really important to start to see oh this person is blaming complaining oh they're struggling for connection that's the cue oh you know, yeah. this person is shutting down oh they I know they're struggling for connection that's the cue you have to constantly learn this and be in this but I think that the reconnection form to me I felt like it was my savior to any yeah. conversation I would just grab it and like use it it would always get me back home to safety which is connection yes always yeah and i think you know from everything that i'm hearing what you're saying is that and i think oftentimes what we want is we want a quick fix don't we someone wants to listen to the podcast today go out and buy a book or having listened to the podcast now they're all of their relationships are fixed it's like it's not it's not that easy just because you know something you have to constantly work at it so being aware of it being able to catch yourself in the moment and having that language and identifying for yourself this is a negative cycle we're in a negative cycle how do we come back to safety how do we come back to connection with the acknowledgement and the acceptance that the other person still may not respond or they may not be ready to kind of reciprocate what it is that you need but you need to kind of hold yourself so that that you have that understanding that maybe they still won't meet you where you are or kind of respond to your the needs that you have that's kind of how i would summarize what we've talked about today absolutely and uh, again once you start to changing yourself in terms of responding to the negative cycle and to understanding you step out of those negative cycle you are changing the dance you yeah. are changing the music i love argentine tango i dance tango and in the argentine tango if you watch amateurs with the professional the difference is is how they tune into each other how they hold their emotional balance so your job as a professional as a person individually is to learn how do you regain your emotional balance how do you hold that there yeah there's a negative cycle happening and there's a, a you know somebody is like throwing bullets at me how am i going to recognize what they are actually doing is reaching for connection for me what they actually doing is saying i'm so scared i'm alone i'm so scared i can't find you so that is a big shift it's like going on the sideway and letting the bullets come just you know by <laughs> you instead yeah. of hitting you yeah so you are dancing every time you interacting with somebody you are dancing you are dancing with them and the music that is you are tuning into emotion is what's going to help you to change their dance is tuning into that emotional music 
I love that as an explanation. Is there anything that we haven't covered today that you want to to get across? Well, I just want, I think, listeners to know is I know how difficult it is. It's so, so difficult. I went through that whole difficulty thing in my work. But it's also, I want people to know that there's hope. Yeah. You don't have to be stuck in whatever team relationship you are currently right now. Not that you have to move away and move to another job, but you can change your pattern. You can be the change maker by learning how to work with emotion. You don't have to be a therapist. You don't have to be a psychologist, but you can learn how to respond to emotions, how to articulate emotions. And you start to actually change not only your professional relationships, you start to change all of your relationships, your personal relationships, and everything around you becomes like a nurturing ground for you to evolve, to grow, to blossom. And I want just people to know that there is a roadmap you can learn. There is hope. You don't have to be stuck. You're not alone. We're right here with you, teaching you that roadmap and telling you that you can change the pattern so it doesn't change you. Brilliant. I love that. So the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what does being happier at work mean to you? Being happier to me is having strong relationships. Hmm. Strong relationships with your manager, strong relationships with people that you depend on at work, with your teammates, strong relationship with other teammates. The relationship is most important. Once you have the relationships, you can resolve anything. You can work on goals, you can work on teams, you can deal with whatever challenges you have. But the most important thing is that connected relationship, the secure relationship in your workplace. That's what makes people happy at work. Brilliant. Love that. And if people want to reach out, if they want to connect with you, what's the best place that they can do that or what's the best way they can do that? Well, they can definitely reach out to me and connect with me on LinkedIn, Lola Gershfeld, right? Uh, but uh, I have a we I have a company, emcleaders.com. They can get my book. It's an Amazon, two books, Emotional Connection and The Connected Culture. I just love The Connected Culture because it's full of artistic designs and easy ways of people how to reach for each other, how to respond to each other. We have the Emotional Connection course, EMC Masterclass, that um, they can look into. And you actually can become the certified EMC trainer. So you can integrate the EMC model into your culture at work. So I'm always here. You can email me, lola at emcleaders.com. And I'm always here to help. Brilliant. Love that. And I know you have a podcast of your own. Do you want to give a shout out to the podcast as well? That's right. That's right. Thank you. The Leader in You. It's a podcast and I talk about emotional connection and uh, the skills and techniques. And I love, I, I can talk about emotional connection, attachment, like I think all day long for hours and hours. So, And I think we could have had this conversation, but, you know, it's gone on for longer than I anticipated, but I so enjoyed the conversation. And I think it's very practical in terms of what people can do when they're listening to the episode today. And also bearing in mind that it's not just about listening, it's about putting into action what it is that we've talked about. It's one thing to know these things, but, you know, it's going to take a while for things to change. It's going to take practice. So for anyone listening today, 
you know, there's no time like the present to start putting these things into practice. But I wanted to extend my thanks to you, Dr. Lola. I've absolutely thoroughly enjoyed this conversation today and I look forward to more conversations in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. If you've been listening to the Happier at Work podcast for a while, you'll know that I love to make the episodes as actionable as possible for you. I love bringing practical suggestions into the conversations that I have with my guests. But I always wondered, how easy is it to implement what you learn? Or how are you staying accountable for putting into practice what it is that you know about? So recently, I've started partnering with Skilding.com. That's S-K-I-L-L-D-I-N-G.com. Skilding suite of digital tools is designed to help you remember the most actionable content from this episode when you need it most and track your improvements while you deliberately practice. With Skilding.com, ensure that you're learning the right way with their tools and resources. You'll have everything you need to make sure you're retaining the best of what you hear and applying it when it matters most. Head over to skillding.com forward slash happier to check out the insights from today's episode. That was Dr. Lola Gershfield talking all about emotions at work. And can I tell you just how much I enjoyed that conversation? I would love to know what you thought of today's episode. So do let me know, send me a message directly or get involved in the conversation on social media. I would absolutely love to hear from you. Now, we kind of started talking about the journey that Dr. Lola took to get where she is today and how she noticed patterns among people not getting along at work and, you know, realizing that the kind of things that we learn in our personal lives can be applied in the work situation as well. And I know certainly I have heard about attachment theory at work and I've done some work of my own in my personal life around attachment theory, but I had never heard it necessarily applied or at least heard practical application of attachment theory in work. So I was so interested to have this conversation. Now, we talked about triggers and the kind of things like thinking about who triggered whom. And from one of my previous podcast guests, my understanding is we're basically all triggering each other all of the time. One of the things that I took away from early on in the conversation was this idea of how secure we are in the relationship has an impact on that relationship. So it's not just about being one type of attachment, and I'll get onto that in a second, but rather how you feel in the relationship yourself and whether you feel secure in that relationship with that other person. And that can be hard. So if you have an insecure relationship with your boss or if your boss isn't fulfilling your needs at work, then that can have a triggering effect on you. Maybe you end up demanding or maybe you end up withdrawing and kind of ignoring their demands or or something like that. We talked as well about the importance of the brain structure. And again, I haven't heard it explained in such a quite a simplistic and easy to understand way for me, you know, talking about the amygdala and how the amygdala kind of controls everything, whereas the prefrontal cortex is the thinking brain. So your amygdala can get hijacked by emotions. And I loved this quote as well. So it's easy for our emotions to control our thoughts, but it's not easy for our thoughts to control our emotions. So something to bear in mind, I think sometimes we think that we can think our way out of situations when really it's emotions that need to be managed, not thoughts. Now, back to more kind of general 
attachment theory. And if you haven't heard of attachment theory before, or if you want to understand more about that, I'll put some resources in the show notes in relation to attachment theory. So you can learn a little bit more about that. Generally, we didn't go in a huge depth, but hopefully you got a steer. Hopefully you got an understanding of what attachment theory is. And really, we talked about the three of the areas. There is another area that I'm less familiar with uh, called disorganized, but I won't kind of cover that in the synopsis today. We'll keep it to essentially the secure attachment where you feel secure in relationships, that you don't feel anxious or you don't feel like you need to withdraw from the relationship if if you feel threatened in any way. Then there's the anxious type and this anxious type wants to make demands essentially. So they become the pursuer when they feel threatened, emotionally threatened in the relationship. And then there's the avoidant type and the avoidant tends to withdraw into themselves. And all of this is to try and preserve the connection because really deep down, that's what we're all looking for is to connect with other human beings. Dr. Lola shared the framework essentially then for the work that she does. And that's about being accessible, responsible, engaged with the underlying question of, are you there for me? And I just love the simplicity of that and really easy. And as we mentioned on the podcast, not easy to implement necessarily, but it's easy to understand. So get the idea that this is not easy work to do. It's very straightforward to understand, but to to try and implement it, it takes time and it takes practice. Another one of the quotes that I took from our conversation Emotion is the most powerful agent of change. I absolutely loved that. Lola then shared about the three fears, and that's the fear for yourself, the fear for the other person, and then the fear for the relationship as well. So an example she shared was a manager being afraid that they are an ineffective manager. So that is essentially a fear around the relationship. It's not that they don't care. They do care, but they're feeling really, really overwhelmed and the relationship perhaps becomes more distant because of that. And then the biggest fear for an individual might be that they don't feel valued at work. There were so many quotes, and here's another one that she shared. We thrive from being emotionally engaged at work, and it's about taking conversations from the content level to the emotional level. So it's not just about talking about strategy, it's getting to the roots of what's driving that discussion or disagreement, whatever it might be. And shutting emotions down is hard work. So it might cause people to either shut down or to blow up at intervals then or have a kind of a roller coaster of blowing up and then shutting down as well. I also love this idea that she shares that it's about wanting to change the pattern and not wanting the pattern to change you. And that's the pattern of being in that negative cycle. And I hope that now you have the language around that. It's easier to maybe engage people in these types of conversations. Now that you do know more about emotions at work, how emotions at work, how you may be triggered at work and how you may be in that negative cycle or in that pattern, I'd love to know what's one thing that you would do differently after listening to today's episode. So let me know. Feel free to reach out on social media or feel free to send me a message directly and I'd love to hear from you. That's it for today's episode and I have another brilliant episode coming your way next week. Stay tuned for that. That was another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. And if you've made it this far, well done you. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to today's episode. If you did enjoy it, please consider leaving a rating, a review or share it with a friend. I would love for you to get involved in the conversation. And also, if you'd like to know more about how I can help you 
or your business, head on over to happieratwork.ie.